0: Thank you. and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me on the program today is Dr. Terrence Lynch. Terrence, come to HBCU by way of Alcorn State University. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So, uh, Terrence, let's kind of jump right in and, and let's understand how did you end up at Alcorn State University? What led to your decision to attend college there?
1: Uh, interesting that you, you asked that question. Uh, I actually come from a family of Bramley Knights. And uh, my brother actually graduated from Jackson State, and I had an opportunity to go to Alcorn via a full band scholarship. So, how can you pass that up?
0: Right. Sounds like dynamite. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did, did you have any type of uh, convincing to do to the, with the rest of the family? Uh, you know, being from Shreveport and, and bypassing Gramlin to get to Alcorn. What was that like?
1: You know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't that tough of a sale. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, my parents, True Hard, gremlin Knights, nice, they attend all of the games. But when the money started rolling through and they saw a full ride, my dad said, you're going to Alcorn.
0: <laughs> so what was uh, you know, your freshman year like at Alcorn? Do you remember when you first uh, stepped foot on the academic resort?
1: You know, it was, um, I had been to Alcorn before because we were a family that would attend a lot of the HBCU games. Uh, So it wasn't surprising, but actually being there and not having that opportunity to go back home with your parents, that was eye-opening for me because Alcorn is different if you've never been there. Right. Uh, But it was great. At that time, we had an influx of students coming down to Alcorn from Shreveport. So in essence, I had a family. And also, as you mentioned, the Sounds of Dynamite, that was my other family. So we spent a lot of time together.
0: So what was it like auditioning, uh, you know, training during the summertime? What was it like being part of the Sounds of Dynamite? It was
1: hard, uh, but, you know, it taught you a lot of discipline. But more importantly, as I said, I mentioned uh, I gained a family because we spent a lot of time together in practice also in the calf, and also in the dorm. So Alcorn became my home away from home. So I I really cherished that experience, but I also cherished the relationships that I built while I was there. So it made the transition very easy for me.
0: Yeah, so what were some of the relationships that you developed while you were there from the standpoint of, you know, whether it was mentors or friendships that have, uh, have remained in place to this very day?
1: Well, I would say some of the friendships that I gained were not only just members of the band that I, I still keep in contact with, because as you know, when people graduate, they venture different places. So we also had an influx of persons to, uh, to transition here to the DC region, but also became a member of uh, the Gamma Pi alumni, I mean, Gamma Pi uh, alumni chapter, undergraduate chapter at Alcorn State University. So those are long lasting relationships uh, as well. And also I can't forget about, you know, the members of the football team among other persons. And as you mentioned about a mentor, uh, one of the persons that was very influential in my life there was Dr. Carrie Ford, who was instrumental in me going to Virginia Tech to obtain my PhD.
0: Right, so you, were, so you are a member of the best fraternity in the world, Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity incorporated. What was Greek life like at uh, Alcorn State University?
1: Uh, Greek life was great. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Allcorn is in the middle of nowhere. We have to be honest about that. So, in terms of fun, you have to create your own fun. Right. Um, club life on Thursdays, nothing like it. And then after the game on Saturday, everybody would venture to the Diamond Loud or Club Mardi Gras, or G and G. So, brings back a lot of memories after you asked me that question. Some fun times.
0: <laughs> so, what was all? What was a uh, homecoming like uh, at Allcorn? You know, that's uh, that's a big event there.
1: Homecoming at Alcorn is one you'll never forget. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest challenges is just getting on the yard. Right. But once you get on the yard, you find out, hey, it, it's a party. There are cars that are everywhere. You look forward to the parade. You look forward to halftime. But more importantly, you just look to the, just the tailgating experience. Uh, people love that university.
0: Yeah. So uh, in terms of just academically, they at Alcorn, uh, who were some of the uh, professors that helped keep you grounded and uh, mentored you along the
1: way? I would say Dr. Alvin Simpson. Uh, he was very instrumental. Um, I think he graduated from Vanderbilt. And I would sit in his class and wonder, why would we go over this, you know, this certain material? Like, how is this going to help me in life? But I will say that, you know, when I got to Virginia Tech, when I met with my major professor, he had mentioned... You know, he said, you know, Terrence, you've taken already taken a lot of these courses. So he can say that Alcorn truly prepared you. And I also think about uh, Dr. Kenneth Stallings and Dr. Carrie Ford. I remember with Dr. Kenneth Stallings, I would always say, you know, Dr. Stallings, you really don't, you know, really teach that much. And he said, well, son, you have a, a textbook. All you need to do is read it. And if you have any questions, ask me. And as I thought about that, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. So, again, it's about that accountability component. Uh, so individuals like Dr. Simpson, Dr. Stallings, Dr. Ford, and I can't you know, forget about uh, Dr. Fluker, who really helped me when it came to the uh, agricultural component at Alcorn. Um, I'll forever be indebted to them and what they shared with me during my experience there.
0: So if you had to pick one of your most uh, memorable experiences at Alcorn, uh, what comes to mind?
1: I would say life in the dormitory life in the dormitory uh, you know being at hbcu you're going to have your challenges right so i was uh, on the fifth floor of men's tower men's tower is no longer with us but when i go back i see all of the progress that's being made but i can't forget about those experiences. not having hot water at times uh you know the library not the library but the elevator stopping on you or whatever but it's just being in that element yeah. and i say being able to bond with people who are in that dormitory those are some great times
0: so how do you feel that Alcorn prepared you for your professional journey?
1: I would say with just the teachings, the conversations, but more importantly, I can tell you that everybody on that campus cared. From the president, to the professors, and also to the students. People cared, um, Now, as I'm, you know, and now that I'm an alumni, I go to the Alcorn Midwinter Conference. And you just see people coming back and sharing their experience and talking about how Alcorn prepared them. Uh, but again, Alcorn, it really it truly prepared me not only for life, but also for the workforce. So right. I had that Ph.D. from Virginia Tech, but I would say Alcorn is what gave me what I have today.
0: So talk to me about your journey after graduating from Alcorn. Where did you go from there um, in your career?
1: So after I graduated from Alcorn, I finished my bachelor's in 1998. I immediately started working on my my master's there. So I completed that, uh, 99. Then I matriculated up to Blacksburg, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Spent two years at Virginia Tech. And then I was able to land a job with the USDA uh, Agricultural Research Service, where I worked for them for roughly five to six years. And then I transitioned to the USDA Risk Management Agency in downtown DC. Uh, I worked with them as a worked for them about a year as a strategic planner, and then I moved to NOAA National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, and I've been there. I've been with them now since 2007. So I moved around the federal government, and during that time, I've had a lot of different experiences working in a lot of different offices. Uh, so now I'm the director of the Office of Science and Support at NOAA, where I have purview over the uh, the NOAA Central Library. The NOAA Cooperative Institutes, and also the NOAA Science Advisory Board and Ocean Research Advisory Panel.
0: So, talk to me. Talk to me about the work that you do in your current uh, role. So, you know, people hear that that term, National Oceanic and Atmospheric, you know, Research Centers and et cetera. But what do you actually do uh, in that role?
1: So. oh uh, you know, as I mentioned, my portfolio, one of the, the biggest segments of my program is the NOAA, NOAA Cooperative Institutes, where we receive funding from Congress uh, to basically grant out in terms of cooperative agreements uh, to a collection of universities that help NOAA meet its mission. So you're talking about, you know, billion-dollar program just in itself. Uh, also, I have the NOAA Central uh, and Regional Libraries and the Science Advisory Board, which is an external group that basically provides recommendations to the NOAA undersecretary. So these are very important, you know, segments, which, you know, I have purview and I'm just happy to have that opportunity.
0: So on your professional journey, uh, to where you are today, uh, did you encounter any challenges, um, or questions related to, uh, where you received your, your undergraduate degree, uh, from?
1: I would say that's never come up. Um, it's never really come up, I, I, I would just you know, say that. I can say that when I began employment with the USDA, uh, the, the administrator of the agency at that time was a graduate of uh, Virginia Tech. Okay. So when he saw me, he heard about me because let's be honest, it was just me. It wasn't an influx of African-Americans. I was actually the only African-American PhD that was uh, located in the George Washington Carver building. Although we had PhD scientists out on the research side. I was the only one on the admin side uh, but one of the most memorable experiences that I had while I was there, they had a meeting with the 1890 land grant presidents. So what did they do? They grabbed me and asked me to come to that meeting and they showcased me as a part of that meeting. <laughs> so I played a really an integral role in that meeting. So they drew on my experience of having attended an HBCU. Yeah. But I would say, you know, no one has ever questioned, if anything. Uh, NOAA and other federal agencies rely on the HBCUs to supply it with a pool from which it can select from.
0: Okay. So, but being, you know, the only African-American uh, in the administration side of the agency, uh, what challenges did you experience there?
1: Well, I mean, you show up and people want to know, you know, who is this this guy? I will tell you, when I started my federal uh, career, that was 2001, probably a couple of weeks before 9-11 happened, um, and I showed up as a GS 11 12, and I, I was a supervisor immediately. Yeah. So you could imagine people who had worked for this organization for a while now having to answer to me. And the interesting thing about this position is that when I applied for it, because um, all we wanted is an opportunity. The person that was to select an official he mentioned to me that he thought I would be a great asset for the organization, that I would help to change the landscape. And I would say that I did. So I was the first because you always have to have that first. So you're going to have some experiences. But I would say from my time there, people, once they had an opportunity to get to know me, then they began to trust me. They began to like me and they saw that I did belong. Yeah. But you do have this awareness of do I truly belong? But I go back to the question that you asked regarding Alcorn, Allcorn prepared me for that experience.
0: Right, and so how do you feel that you're taking your experience from Allcorn and your current role to create change within um, the agency and other areas that you, you have uh, an
1: impact? Well, as you know, one of the administration's priorities is uh, DEI and also accessibility and justice. Now that I'm in a role where I actually can affect change by being uh, hiring officials, I have that opportunity to change the landscape of the agency. So I've been in my position for roughly 18 to 20 months, and I've done just that with some of the recent hires that I've made. Uh, But things are changing. And as you know, our HBCUs are a wealth of knowledge and also a talent pool which we can pull from. But sometimes you need a person that's in a position that can't advocate on your behalf. So our, so our students are just looking for an opportunity. So I'm just happy. I'm in that, that, um, in that position where I can, like I said, affect change.
0: Right. Right. And you, you brought up a, a very important, uh, point about, you know, being, having someone in position who can advocate, uh, for you. Um, how have you used your position to actually advocate for other, you know, people of color to, um, get opportunities such as yourself?
1: So I would say one of the things that I've done in conjunction with some other persons uh, that work with me is we advocate what we call for a tool for diverse interview panels. And what I mean about that is that's a tool for which you can have uh, to create uh, diverse interview panels. It's kind of a menu or catalog. Uh, What we're wanting to see now is more diversity when it comes to interview panels. So this Orders tool allows people to not just uh, bank on the friendships that they have with persons from underrepresented populations, but they can actually use this database to go in and see who's uh, volunteering to, to be on interview panels. So that's something that I created along with, you know, members, uh, a part of what I call the NOAA Diversity Professional Advancement Working Group. And this is a employee resource group within NOAA, uh, that basically consists of persons from underrepresented populations. What we're seeing is we're making ourselves available to you. Any event that you have a need where you're trying to have a hire, you can utilize us in terms of your interview panel. So that's one thing that we're doing to help the agency to increase its number of persons from underrepresented populations. Right, and
0: and of course, you know, uh, DEI is is seem to be under attack. Uh, At this time, uh, you know, with some of the most recent uh, things that have taken place in in Florida, et cetera. uh, Just for my viewers who may not necessarily understand the, uh, you know, uh, I'm a business owner uh, and I I have to compete for uh, opportunities every day. And I have to go up against predominantly, uh, you know, non people of color or white people or whatever majority populations and so I understand the challenges that we face um, in in this country in in terms of having an equal seat at at the table but from your perspective why is DEI still critically important uh, to communities of color?
1: It's very important because as I mentioned earlier when it comes to our students they want opportunities we're not asking for anybody to give us anything the only thing we're asking is for you to extend us an opportunity. You know, I come from a generation, my parents are baby boomers, where they said education is the key. If you get your education, you'll be able to get you a good job. Well, a lot of people get their education now. They can get a job, but it might not be the good job. Right. So what we're trying to do is change the landscape when it comes to that. So what I want to do is create opportunities for these students, because let's be let's be uh, let's be real here. Uh, everybody wants a job where they can take care of their family and they can be productive members of society. Right. But i found from my experience, the diverse, the diverse organizations or teams that I've been a part of, those are the ones where I have received, I would say, um, the best benefit. I can remember doing a detail with the department of commerce, uh, a part of this unit called um, being a part of this unit. And I walked in and there were all these black senior exec service members. And I was just like, wow. And we had we created the culture where I would say you get in where you fit in, where if I had anything, if I wanted to offer input, did nobody look crazy or whatever or say, you know, you know, forget what Terrence is saying. But they were receptive to it. Right. But it was one of the greatest experiences that I had. You know, we can't continue to be one sided. We need to take input from additional additional parts and segments of our society whether it comes to different you know, socioeconomic status or whatever, even when it comes to schools, can't always be about predominantly white institutions or whatever. But the HBCUs, this is an opportunity for them to provide value with whatever segment of the organization that they want to be a part of. We got to be more inclusive, but be more of an inclusive society.
0: Right. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and j- just talking about HBCUs in general, uh, one of the challenges that uh, HBCUs face across the board is access to financial resources, uh, capital, et cetera. So my question to you is that, why is it important that alumni give back to their HBCUs in order to better position them to be
1: competitive? You know, that's a great question. Uh, this is something that we grapple with, with just being you know, part of the Alumni Association getting people to see the value of paying $40 to $50 in dues. Uh, A lot of time graduates, uh, they reflect on their financial aid experience. You know how it was when you would stand in line and then once you get there, then they said, well, we're going to lunch or if you didn't have a piece of paper, you would have to go back and get that and hope that they were still back. People are still holding on to that. But when we talk about the survival of our, our universities, it's essential for us to give back. You know, that's why our predominantly white institutions, other institutions are so successful, because people see the value in that. One of the things that I tried to communicate as an alumnus is the fact that we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for Alcorn, the Jackson States and the other universities. Right. So that means that you graduated, you got a job, you're making more money than you did before you went to Alcorn. So now is our opportunity to give back and make that investment in our universities.
0: Right. And also being involved so that those things that you criticize from the past, that you can be part of the solution uh, to correct it going forward. So, you know, a lot of people like to talk about issues, but don't like to be part of the the, the actual solutions. Um, So I want to ask you in terms of just your career, uh, what do you see kind of your next move or your next goal in your career?
1: Uh, that's a great question. That's something that uh, I've been thinking about and also praying on. I can tell you for the next move actually for me is senior exec service. And there are some opportunities there. But one thing that I have to consider from uh, for me right now is the fact that I have two young children. So I like being involved in terms of their day-to-day events. Uh, so it's something that I'm praying on. But I actually see myself uh, more so, a kind of an administrator role. Hopefully, I, I get the opportunity to lead an agency one day. Yeah, you know, we'll see. A lot of those positions are ones that are appointed, uh, but we'll see how how things go. But that's something that I'm praying on.
0: And so, uh, a lot of times, uh, this is discounted in the overall HBCU experience. And I'm just kind of backtracking to your mm-hmm. time uh, in the sound of dynam- the sounds of dynamite. Uh, a lot of times, people don't realize the um, the rigor and discipline that it takes to be part of an HBCU band. So just for a a minute here, talk to me about that experience in terms of being part of the sounds of Dynamite and then how that also played a role in terms of who you are today.
1: To be a member of uh, Trump Funk, um, the trumpet, I played trumpet, I was actually section, section leader for my junior and my senior year. So when you're a section leader, you have to take ownership and also accountability. you got to make sure that the other members of your section, that they have it together. I would say that was very helpful in terms of some of the leadership traits and things that helped me in my, my day-to-day career. Also, just your presence and your ability to, to show up. Let's be honest. You put in, if you put in the time, which we would do during the week, when it was showtime on Saturday, then you would see after that 10 minutes that you had allotted, the response that you would get from the crowd. So this is something that I try to you know, articulate when it comes to our young people. You gotta put in the hard work, but first you gotta have a vision or a plan for what you wanna do. But more importantly, you have to show up, but you gotta be ready. And that's where it goes in to put it in the time, going to the practices and showing people that you are truly committed and dedicated to what you wanna do. So when people say, you know, who is the best band or whatever, I'm gonna always say the sound of dynamite because I look at the hard work that I put in along with the other fellow bandmates and I reflect back on those VH tape, VHS tapes when I look at them, even though they're a little grainy or whatever, <laughs> but look at the time commitment that we that we, we, we put to making that field show what it was. Right. So the same things it comes with, you know, you put in your time when it comes to your education. If you get what you get from Alcorn, then it will help to prepare you in terms of your career.
0: Right. And so I know you are um, a, a supporter and advocate uh, for all corn and Virginia Tech and HBCUs in general. Um, tell my viewers why you would suggest that they consider allowing their their high school uh, senior to attend an HBCU. One
1: thing I appreciated about the HBCU experience is that it wasn't too big. It was a smaller community. And anytime I look at a, a smaller community, I view it as a family. So if you're part of a smaller community. You know when members are not part of your family, you know exactly you know, who they are. Um, Allcorn was one of those, as we say, you know, the reservation. You're out there. So some people can look at it as, this is not a place where I can function. But I would tell you that in this world today, you're gonna to have to be able to uh, function in any environment in which you're put in. As I mentioned to you earlier, I came into an organization where I was the only black on that staff, but thought about my experience that I had at Alcor, it prepared me to be able to manipulate the situation or do what I needed to do in order to advance my career. So in HBCU, does just that it helps it helps you with your self-identity also with some of the challenges that you face it helps to prepare you for the real world because let's just be honest everything's not going to be easy but it's about that mindset that you get so that goes back to the sound of dynamite putting the work in and knowing that you belong.
0: Absolutely so uh, Terrence I'm going to close the show out by just asking you to just briefly tell uh, my viewers what impact Cap uh, Alpha Psi fraternity incorporated has had on your on your life?
1: It's all about achievement. The fundamental purpose of Kappa Alpha Alpha Psi is achievement in every field of human endeavor. So that's the impact that Kappa has had on me. It's about achieving in anything that I do.
0: Hey, Terrence, it's been great having you on the show, but I don't wanna end the show without making this one gesture for you. I wanna present you with our HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your commitment to historically black colleges and universities, and for the success you have had in your personal and professional career. And I wanna thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. And to my viewers, I wanna thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.